Hello everyone. Thank you for joining in on the debut first episode of the State of Kevin podcast. I'm your host, obviously, Kevin Stamps. And on this podcast, I'll be talking with various guests, uh, as you'll see, regarding our identity and how we express ourselves throughout life. I'm by no means an expert in psychology or sociology or really anything, so I would consider this podcast less expert advice and more just a personal journey that I hope you would join me on as we ask questions and dig into aspects of ourselves that often go without any attention at all. So this first episode, we are discussing internal and external identity and really how we see ourselves and how others view us. Um, And so we'll be doing something a little out of the box. This is where I will actually be interviewing myself. So Kevin, say hello. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. I thought it might be fitting to have you be the guest on our first episode since we actually named the podcast after you. (laughs) Oh, no. I hope I can live up to whatever expectations are put on someone who has a podcast named after them. Mm. I assure you, they are low. Mm. All right. So to kick this off, I thought it might be a good start for you to kind of just tell us your story and really your awakening into your identity. So how you kind of found it and how you express yourself, you know, maybe through your journey so far. Mm, Yeah, I love it. Okay. All right. So I would probably start with my first memory. I was uh, very young, and uh, one terrible habit I had was I would just fall asleep in very obscure and often hidden places throughout the house. Um, In this specific memory, I remember I woke up in this closet, snuggled up with like a bunch of shoes and crawled out, and uh, after a bit of searching uh, around the house, I realized it was entirely empty, and to my horror, I realized my family had left me there alone to go to a friend's house. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, so I actually learned later that often the memories that we remember most vividly tend to involve some sort of excited or traumatic experience. Uh, It's the emotional connection to those memories. That's what kind of keeps them around. Um, So, for example, do you remember your first kiss? Uh, Yep, yes, I do. Uh, But that is one I would definitely rather forget. Oh, no, why is that? Uh, okay. Yeah. So I just remember staying up all night thinking about her. And then the next day I met up with her to talk about it. Cause you know, when you're young, you just want to like talk about your feelings and get all excited. Um, and just how great it was and how I stayed up all night. And she just, I just remember she responded saying something like, uh, yeah, it was okay. (laughs) And so, yeah, I was just heartbroken Mm. and that memory was burned into my brain forever. I know the feeling. And honestly, that's such a great example of, like in your case, a traumatic experience that actually shaped your identity. Mm, For sure. So for those that don't know, uh, I grew up smack dab in the middle of a pretty big family, actually. Uh, I have six siblings. Oh, wow. Yep. Three older and three younger. Uh, So getting left behind or forgotten actually started to shape my identity at a really young age. Hmm. Um, And what happens in those early formative years is that you really start to shape your longings and desires that you'll actually be chasing or fighting for pretty much the rest of your life. Mm. I'm sure as most middle children can relate, uh, you tend to find ways to kind of make yourself be seen, uh, whether you're like the class clown or you wear dramatic clothing. Wait, so did you do anything like that to get uh, that kind of attention? Oh, yeah. I did all of it, actually. Uh, And really what I remember about my family was... um, My dad worked two jobs and, you know, my mom had seven kids. So my parents were just always tired. Uh, 
and we didn't really have a lot of one-on-one time with them. Um, there were a few moments, and my parents loved me a lot. I don't want that to be missed, um, and they did a great job raising us. Mom, I love you. Dad, you're amazing. You're a hero. Um, but yeah, and then my siblings were all just kind of caught up in their own world, like um, similar to me, um, and I think because we were all homeschooled too, that was basically my entire social circle, so uh, that actually allowed me to really just create for myself whatever kind of identity I could imagine and really change it as often as I wanted. Okay, so I actually did want to take a moment to explain the difference between internal and external identity, just so that we're kind of on the same basis of when we use these words. Um, when we talk about internal identity, this actually refers to our ideal image of who we are and who we want to be. This is very much self-formed. Uh, this identity comes about as you journey through life, throughout self-reflection throughout past experiences and personal desires, your internal identity kind of takes shape and it's really how you view yourself. Then we have our external identity, which in contrast refers to how other people interpret who you are. So more your public image. This is more shaped by how people talk about you and how they treat you and what their view of you is. Actual sociologists, feel free to step in and correct us if uh, we're using any of the wrong terminology. Right, right. So I would say at this stage of my life, I was learning and um, I guess shaping my internal identity. Um, in the meantime, my external identity, I would say, would be on overdrive. So if you look at photos of me in my teenage years, at one point, I look like a class clown with like long, overgrown, bleached hair and like really loud clothing. And then you'll just flip the page in one photo later. I'm dressed up in baseball garb and toting like a ball and glove. And so, and then I think later in life, as I got into high school, I had like the black bangs and eyeliner rocking like painted nails with like my tongue sticking out. So what made you kind of skip around so much? I think there was nothing really latching me to like any specific persona. Whereas I think in most like public school settings, if I were to have a strong social group or influence that was just strictly one style, I might have latched onto that look or that personality a bit more. Um, but because I grew up in what seemed like a social vacuum, I was able to actually try on a variety of different personalities and looks until I could find something I was more comfortable in. And where would you say you landed? Uh, it's funny that you actually ask that because as I'm explaining this, I, uh, I'm not actually sure if I've landed anywhere specifically. From a stylistic perspective, uh, I think I still like wearing dark clothes, tight jeans and vans, you know, when I'm up for it. Uh, but I also like rocking dad sneakers, you know, New Balances and thick rimmed glasses or slacks and a button up, you know, if I'm feeling, you know, dressy. I think I've just stopped trying to put so much emphasis on my look as an expression of my identity. Ooh, I like that. Or would you say that part of your identity is someone who is adaptable and doesn't like to be defined by a specific style of clothes? Mm, what do you mean? You still have that external identity, whether you're willingly shaping it or otherwise. Though, someone who might see you one time might limit that external identity to whatever your outfit is that day. Um, someone who knows you or has known you for a while might say that you just can't be classified by um, what you wear, or at least strictly so. Um, because of how often you change. Yeah, uh, I guess we would need someone else on this show to better answer that question. Good point. We'll put a pin in that one. Uh, so now that you're an adult, uh, how would you describe yourself? Hmm, this is really a question I actually struggle with. Uh, like, I think the first thing that comes to mind, 
when describing my internal identity are, you know, my likes, my dislikes, how I like to spend my time, what it is I value. Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Or I think when describing my external identity, I think of, you know, personality classifiers where some might consider me soft-spoken or direct, you know, or competitive, um, a bit of an ass sometimes, but, you know, maybe apologetic. Okay, so I don't want to get too far down on that external identity because I think that is more defined by how others view you and not so much how you imagine others view you. Does that make sense? Yeah, good point. Jumping back onto your internal identity, though, uh, one of the questions we posed before we started recording was, uh, what is it that you value? And how do you feel that that shapes your identity now? Okay. Yeah. Uh, So I would start by saying... I put, uh, I put a lot of value in creating ritual out of routine. For example, uh, I like waking up each morning with the same thought, um, making my coffee in a very methodic and practiced manner. Uh, on my desk, there's a specific way I lay out the journals and pens. Um, when baking, there's like specific movements I really look forward to. Okay, before you go too far, unpack that statement, making ritual out of routine. How is that different than just regular routine? Um, maybe nothing. I think the reason I phrase it that way is because I don't necessarily like routine in and of itself, um, unless there is a ceremonial practice involved, um, a way of turning an everyday chore into a craft. Uh, in which you can, you know, execute with excellence. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. One more example would be making an old-fashioned. Mm, my favorite. Yeah, so for me, a routine would be you grab the ingredients and you put them in the glass and you just do it the same way just to make the drink, you know. Um, whereas creating a ritual out of it, you do it meticulously with really the intention of achieving something that is excellent and uh maybe even with the intention of getting better each time, you know, kind of enhancing in that craft. So then how would you say this defines you as a person? I think my desire is to practice and achieve excellence, even in the mundane and routine of daily living, would be how I might sum that up. That could go on a resume. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll make a note of that. So one other thing you mentioned are your likes and dislikes in a way of defining yourself. Uh, Could you maybe elaborate on that? Yeah. So I think one of the words that we used earlier was that I could be viewed as adaptable, which for the most part I feel is a positive personality trait. Um, But for me, I think it actually caused me to really struggle in finding what I really enjoy in life. One of my core longings is to be noticed and to be affirmed, especially when I'm in a relationship with someone. So what I liked and disliked was really actually shaped by who I valued most in that season. And it wasn't until a breakup that kind of left me wondering who I was, um, where I just took time to intentionally be single and do a bit of soul digging to find out what I really like. Why does this feel like a Julia Roberts movie? It totally is. 1999, Runaway Bride with Richard Gere. Ah, yeah, the eggs. Classic. I didn't say I was original. So what likes did you find? Uh, I actually made a list, if we have time. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Let's jump in. Uh, I should mention that I reserve the right to edit and redact anything on this list as I choose and as I change. As you should. All right, it's kind of long, but here we go. Things I like. 
as read on my note book in my phone. Uh, I like chess and winning games. I like complications and I like flipping views upside down. I like making people laugh. I like the feeling of finding out for the first time that someone new cares about you. I like compliments. I like private notes. I like public posts of someone saying how proud they are of me. Um, I like feeling like someone is proud of me. I like to have a good drink. I like good whiskey, good beer, good wine. I like having a good story to tell. I like rap music. I like emotional music. I like music with meaning. I like movies. I like blockbuster action and romantic tragedies. I like watching movies that make you think. I like video games. I also like playing video games with friends. I like games that give you a new perspective on the world. I like playing the piano and I like playing sports. I like making it to the top of a mountain after a difficult hike. I like jumping in a lake after a long and difficult day. I like dancing. I also like the feeling that I'm good at dancing. I like being missed. I like little texts that don't need a response. I like coffee. I like sipping coffee slowly. I like drinking coffee on a porch in the morning. I like drinking coffee at a kitchen table. I like coffee shops early in the morning. There's a lot of coffee stuff. I like the dimming light as the afternoon slips into evening. I like Sundays. I like the idea of a lazy Sunday. I like pancakes on lazy Sundays and watching favorite movies or hiding behind the covers of a good book. I like to read, obviously. I like to learn about things. I like to try and explore complex ideas. I like trying to find out the why behind what people do. I like being fully submerged in water. I like to daydream. I like to imagine the future of what if scenarios that could almost never happen. I like to plan things only to find out that there's something more fun to do and do that instead. That's all I got so far. Hmm, that's great. I love how you mixed in simple things like good beer and wine, along with experiences like lazy Sundays and daydreaming. It's a good list. Yeah, it's a work in progress. One of the great things about having this, uh, for me anyway, is I often get caught up in that people-pleasing mentality in such an extreme manner that I tend to lose myself along the way. And so, oh yeah. Even something as making a list like this reminds me that I can still love and contribute to a relationship without really giving up a, who I am along the way. I love that. So if you had one word of wisdom to share that you've learned for yourself along that thought, what would it be? I think it's important to own who you are, what you like, what bothers you. Of course, there always needs to be room for kindness and consideration of other people. So. I think I'd be cautious if your list has things like 
I like always getting my way. Well, I think even just the phrasing of the list is important. It's a list of things you like, not a list of things you must have or else, or priorities in a relationship, you know? It's just, these are things I like. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. But I think the token of wisdom is that uh, the unique person that you are and the experience that you've had and the things you like are what brings value to a relationship, not diminishes it. Well said. All right, so I want to end this with actually another piece that you wrote recently in regard to what you value. I think it's such a great little piece and feel like it matches well with the theme of today's episode. Um, But before I read this, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on this show today and giving us a little insight to your identity. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is one of Kevin's written pieces titled, When You're Young. When you're young, life is simple. The only thing that you are concerned with is what interests you, what tastes good, what is fun, what makes you laugh, who makes you feel loved or accepted. Sooner or later, you learn about morality, and a new layer of life is added. The lens that you look through is now affected by what is right and wrong. You desire to do what is right by your own understanding. You learn about actions and reactions, and some that come with consequences. With each decision made comes a change in the course in your life that affects how you live. Now as you get older, life isn't so simple. You can't just chase what is fun. You can't simply live in the black and white of right and wrong. You now must consider value. What holds value to you? For example, you might value family at the expense of certain job opportunities. Or maybe you value the principle of punctuality and must stay late at work to ensure your reputation isn't tarnished, often giving up the possibility of a fun night out with friends. You might value solitude and miss out on relationships. You might value companionship, but are now prone to heartache. This is life. No one can tell you if you're on the right path, if the consequences you live with are necessary, or if you found the best version of yourself. Still, we chase homostasis, a place of balance, where everything, mind, body, and soul, are at peace.